Good morning and welcome to Mornings with Marit in May, all the M's. So we're happy to have you here today. Um, obviously today we're going to be talking about the Texas insurance market and the trends for over the last year. And we're excited to have Paul Buse with us today. Um, I've known Paul for a very long time, I think. It's been, I think, on and off over 20 years, Paul. And Matt, you can move the slide forward if you want there. So um, Paul has been working with us at the National Association for many years. He was the leader of their for-profit. And so we've interacted on a lot of different levels. And I think what's fun about you, Paul, is you come with various experience, whether it's on the agency side or the association side and so forth. Um, and you decided to retire a couple years ago, but it looks like you couldn't stand it anymore. So um, Paul started a firm called Real Insurance Solutions Consulting. And uh, part of what he does is work with the state associations on us better understanding our specific markets in our states. And so we've actually contracted with Paul as a member benefit to do an annual report for us, for you guys, you guys as members, um, and then quarterly reports that you'll see on a regular basis moving forward. So we're looking forward to what you have to say today, Paul. Um, learning from you, learning what you're learning, because I think this has been a great experience for you. And I think you're working with 30 or 40 states, I think, something like that. Is that correct? Right in between there, 35. Yep. Yeah, good. And if any of you work with state associations, getting an adoption rate of that is pretty huge. So um, I'm sure that as you continue to grow and develop these um, tools, there will be more that will adopt along the way. So um, we are going to go through the highlights of the report that Paul has had, and the data is fresh off the press, I believe. And, and a report will be available to all of you by the end of the month. So we'll make sure that that gets out there and it's a resource that you can reference. So, Paul, you, you run around the world, or this country. You're in Florida sometimes, in Colorado and Wisconsin. Where are you today? I'm in uh, South Florida, Hollywood, Florida. All right. So a little south of Fort Lauderdale. Okay, great. Um, so we're excited to have you today, uh, Paul. So tell us a little bit about how you got into doing this and some of the things you're starting to learn along the way. Sure. So um, it, when I retired from the Big Eye, I knew I wasn't going to retire, retire. And um, I felt like there was an opportunity to do some, some consulting. I, I think my background was unique. I mean, I was at the Big Eye for 25 years. It was a super fun place to be, the national, just because you're sitting in the middle of the, the state network in this, this vibrant distribution channel that we've worked with and know so well. Um, and that was really fun. I and mean, we started a captive insurance company that the association of Texas invested in with, with uh, 43 other states. We had our big eye markets operation, we published a magazine. So retirement and benefits, as, as, as you know well, the whole thing. So if you loved insurance as a subject matter, it was like this great place to land, right? Because there was so much going on. But prior to being at the association, the 12 years prior to that, I was a consultant. Um, sometimes I joke and I say, um, I'm not an actuary, but I think I could play one on TV, right? <laughs> Marcus Welby. Um, comment about being a doctor on TV. And, and it's that background, that 12 years before I was with a company called Watson. Now it's called Watson Wyatt Worldwide, which then was just the Wyatt Company, which was an actuarial consulting firm. And uh, it was that background and working with banks and insurance that got me talking to the banks who were fighting with the agents, but then worked with the agents. And then I ended up at the association. But that 12 years of 
of working with actuaries really gave me that insight to the numbers, the yellow books that the property casualty insurers have to file. Um, and so I knew it would be a big part of what I did in retirement was, was exploring what to do with those numbers. Um, and uh, just to kind of bring the story full circle from, from starting that two years ago, there was a state, um, Gabe Hulcher, who used to work with me at National, he's the Kansas state exec. He was very interested in having a Kansas state-specific insurance marketplace summary, right? So he had gone and got some of the data, and he came to me because of my background, asked for some help putting it together, and that was kind of where it started two years ago. Um, from that, now we're at 35 states. But, but the insight is that he understood it, but not everybody does, that all of the data that we read about in AM Best Best Day or Insurance Journal about the national trends and DNO is going up or DNO is going down, all that data, like I shouldn't use DNO as an example because that's one that's not available state by state, but most of the data is available state by state. And that takes me back to what I was doing before I went to that actuarial 12 years. I was an insurance agent in Wisconsin. Um, graduated from college. My mom was dating a guy who owned an agency. He said, you know, you should become an agent. So I did. Um, and when I was an agent in Wisconsin, I, I was just, I didn't know anything, right? There wasn't, I didn't have a good feel for, is there more homeowners or more auto personal? Is commercial lines bigger than personal lines? How much workers' compensation is done every year? What's the average commission rate? All those things are readily available numbers that I learned after being an agent. But I knew that we could answer those questions and make it a very nice, and I think that's where we are this year now, is a nice, solid report, very agent-focused. Um, what do the agents care about? They care about the business that we write, and what the loss ratios are in that business, what the trends are, and et cetera. Um, so that's kind of where it started. My background right. into the working with the states and one state to 35, and then here we are, and, and your members will see it in a week or two. So. Nice. So, so Paul, wearing an agent hat just for a moment, we were talking before we got online today. How do you see it um, elevating or benefiting an agent to understand this information when it comes to their relationships with their clients and so forth and making decisions? Well, the, the report, I think, can help in many different ways because there's so many facets to it. I think that the bottom line is just knowing that the data is there because it's often it's hard to when you look at the, the report and you're going through it and you're going like, wow, it's a lot of numbers, a lot of data, a lot of insurance company names. It's almost like you need the issue to drive the, the data to help you with it. Sometimes you can look at the data and come up with an idea. That's almost a different way um, to look at it. But I think what it does is it helps the agents be aware to how big is the Venn diagram and where do things fit in the Venn, Venn diagram. And um, I don't ever look at the morning news. That's what I start out every day, you know, read Insurance Journal and Best Day and do all that. I, I never don't turn to the data with respect to an article that I'm interested in to give me greater insights. And so that's what we hope to do, what I hope to do with agents is if they're aware of the data and they know they can look and they've got a tool that's readily available, maybe it doesn't have all they're looking for, but they'll know that it's there and they can go find it. Great, so. good. 
So we'll we'll jump into this. If folks have questions, you can put them in the chat feature or the questions box um, on GoToWebinar here. So we're going to go through this information. Matt's going to monitor that. If we're not able to get to everything, we'll certainly um, collect those questions and respond afterwards. So I think we'll just jump into the first slide that you have and, and walk us through what you're seeing. So Matt, do you want to move us? <laughs> there you are. <laughs> so um, the slides I, I put together last night is kind of a funny story, right, Mark? Because when when um, Mart and I talked, I was picturing a podcast, right? So Mart reaches out to me yesterday and goes, "Well, you know, people need to look at the numbers." And I was thinking it was a podcast and it was going to be more of a a conversation. So what I will say is that I put down just a a slight amount of data that's in. The, the the report and the goal of the report is to allow you to look at it and ask your own questions. Um, we're going to try to touch on maybe some of the things that jumped out at me as I looked at Texas. And I'm literally right in the middle of all 35 states right now putting these reports together. The data only really became mature enough to use last weekend. So the idea that I, you know, I have all my opinions formulated on where the Texas marketplace is going wouldn't be accurate, and that's okay, because we really pushed to get this done earlier in the year. It's um, you know, it's five months after the end of the calendar year, and all insurance companies report all their numbers on the calendar year, so you think it would be ready by now, but it's a ton of data, and it takes a while for it to move through the, the NEIC system. But so we're very, very um, new here, and what you have is is the top of the first page of the report, which um. 2021 Texas PNC Marketplace Summary. We actually look at throughout the report five years worth of data. So you have some like, okay, where were we, where are we now? What's the average? That sort of thing. But in, in big pictures, I mean, no surprise to anybody who's from Texas, but Texas is a big state. Um, 70 billion in property casualty insurance premiums. And then when you look at the report, you'll see the, the 32 lines of business that make that up. And the 26 lines of business that most agents care about within that. I and mean, there's credit insurance and some mortgage guarantee and a couple things that we kind of set aside. We we point out that they're there, but it's about two and a half percent of that 70 billion. But then you look at the independent agent footprint, and it's 63% of that is insurance that's distributed distributed by independent agents in the state of Texas. That's a that's slightly above the national average. Um, and you see below there in the, the bottom, that's $784 billion. So we can kind of do the math and know that it's not quite 10%. $70 billion of 78 is, you know, 8% or something. Texas is the second largest premium state in the nation um, behind California, who has $97 billion. And the smallest is Vermont, right? That's the great thing about this country is there's a lot of variety. Um, and there is in the insurance marketplace and the, the outcomes as well. But then you look at per capita premiums, while Texas is the second largest, you're by no means the second most expensive when you look at things on a pro rata basis. And I give you some numbers there. The total lines all premium, you're about, you're almost in the middle of the, the 50 states in terms of how expensive is insurance. The state that I live in um, is, is not number one overall um, North Dakota is, um, but Florida is very expensive because of the, 
the same situation, some of the problems you have in Texas, which is the, the hurricane the wind risk. We've also got a big litigation conundrum that I think Texas figured out how to get a hold of. And I think Florida is looking at modeling actually what, what you're doing. But anyway, so you can kind of see the numbers there. You get a perspective of all the distribution. Agents are about two thirds in Texas, 63%. The captives and exclusives. So put a name on that. It'd be State Farm, where I come from in Wisconsin, American Family. Um, and then the direct distributors of which um, um, is, is a fairly good slice of the pie in Texas, which would be like USAA would be a good example, and Geico. And then the other distribution, which is not a big part of most of the insurance we write, but a couple of percent in, in Texas. So, um, Mark, did you have anything that might jump out no, to you? No, I mean, I think that's helpful. It's great to see sort of where we fall. I really like the looking at it by per capita premium. I don't know that we think about that all the time, about how expensive we are or not in relation to things. And of course, it's interesting to see who the, the largest and the smallest are and where, where we fit in that. So good, good information on that. I think we can then move over to the, to the next slide and have you visit on that information because I think this is interesting too when you see trends. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna start calling us because the, um, the right-hand side is let me say, first of all, what's here. So, so people are looking at it. I obviously know because I've been staring at this 24-7 for <laughs> this weekend. Um, but the left-hand chart is the total premiums in the state. So you see that, that um, 70 um, billion number there. Um, the lower um, column there is the independent agent premium. And that's, you know, that's going to be that 63%. That's not really a great revelation from this graph. but when you realize that this is in the report for all 26 lines of business, you can kind of get a sense. I, I can tell you in almost every state, if you look at the more personal advertising focused lines of business, auto, personal auto and, and homeowners, the agent penetration goes down. If you look at aircraft, who buys their aircraft? And well, I take that back. There is one direct writer of aircraft, but Aircraft is like 98% distributed through independent agents because most people don't feel like they should self-service that risk um, and buy it on their own. They probably would have benefit from the advice of an agent. So it goes from almost 100% down to lower percentages because of the advertising dollars that are spent by some of the exclusive and, and direct writers. But that's that left-hand column chart, and that exists for all the different um, lines of business. The right-hand chart, the lower dotted line is actually the, the calendar year loss ratio. And that exists for all the different lines of business and, and the report compares lines on, on single charts and things. The line above that is the combined ratio. So when you add the commission and underwriting expenses and loss adjustment expenses, you get that, that upper, upper line. So when you look at Texas, you know, to me, the, the W jumps out. It's red. It looks like a Wisconsin W. Um, but I guess um, you guys live in Texas. I mean, I remember enough history to know that 2017 was Harvey, probably, and things related to that. You guys are a big state and have lots of events every year. And then, of course, 2021 was your big freeze, probably driving a ton of loss activity. And I don't, does anything jump out to you, Mart, on 2019? I right now it doesn't specifically um, jump out at me right now, but I'm sure there's agents that would jump in right away and say they know what that looks like. 
Um, but you're right. I mean, last year, the freeze, that was such a huge year um, for losses. And uh, whenever I see those numbers, I recall now watching my Sago palms all get dug out and thrown out about a month ago that I had to give up on. <laughs> um, but that was a disaster last year. And um, even us here in Austin, who usually don't have huge you know, issues, were struggling with that too. It was really blanketed across the state overall. So a big story there for sure. And of course, this is this is muted. I mean, if you look at this this chart for for homeowners or fire slash ally lines, the standalone property that's out there, it's it's even more of a W. Um, the um, the overall big picture there, you can see in the top, the five year average loss ratio is seventy one percent. That's that's like ten points higher than the industry would want it to be. In general, all in. Um, so change is coming, right? They're either going to carriers are either going to be betting that the losses really won't stay this high, or they're going to increase the premiums. Um, and Texas's premiums in the last year, we'll, we'll look at that in a minute, did increase slightly faster than the national. Uh, but with COVID and things, we're kind of in a muddled um, environment in terms of what's really happening. You got some things that are, are are slowing increases of overall premiums because of economic activity being down, but at the same time. Anybody who's renewed a director's and officer's liability policy or a, an E&O policy probably saw a greater than average increase. So I think that's kind of interesting just in knowing what your market, marketplace is overall. Yeah. I think it's more interesting. We just don't have time to go through. You know, I did get a comment. It looks like in the chat that there was a big tornado through Dallas um, in 2019 that might be part of what you see there. So thank you, Sandy, for your comment on that. Great. Yeah, you have tornadoes every year. It's like the tornado. I mean, I, we actually I had a it. tornado pretty close to Austin, which is very rare, a little, yeah. about a month ago or so. I'm just glad we're – I feel bad for Louisiana. I'd be fascinated to see those reports right now. And I know Florida's um, markets are crazy too. So, and, and we've talked to carriers over the last month or so that are changing their appetite, whether they're appointing or not based on loss ratios and what their experience is and or changing their appetite, right? So it's something that is being um, an active conversation that our agents are going to continue to hear going into, you know, end of 22 and into 23 as um, carriers adjust and try and spread their risk in lower risk states and so forth. So um, these will be helpful insights to, to see where trends go um, and, and give us some access to more information. Good. So we'll we'll keep moving then. Thank you. The, the last thing, just to point out, the report does give the average commission rate um, by line of business as well, which can be helpful, right? Some people yeah. are often surprised by that chart in the report. Surety always has a commission rate that's 20 or 25 percent. People, are, yeah. and then that gives you an opportunity to explain that to people. Well, you generally get paid a surety commission once, and you have to do all the work for a policy that normally you would hope to renew for five or ten years. Well, surety, it's, it's an expensive proposition to get underwritten, and the loss ratio is supposed to be zero. And again, you can look at that and see it in the, in the numbers. Um, right. And, and I guess what I'll comment is I'm, I'm excited you're looking at the high level, but to your point, when we get the report out, folks can actually drill down into the different lines of business where there may be an area of expertise or a niche that they have. I, I have an agent, I think, up in Lubbock, and their focus is almost solely um, – airlines so an airplane so that that would be a good data point for him as to what you talked about here recently as well 
Yeah, it is actually a separate line of business, aircraft insurance, all perils, both the property and the liability. So yeah, he'll probably be very interested in that. Um, here we have the, the lines of business in Texas sorted in the order of premiums written by independent agents in Texas, right? So there's, there's the companion chart to the right, which is the United States. And this is not all distribution. You can see the 44.6 billion there. So this is not the 70. This is a picture of what independent agents distribute. Um, private passenger auto is number one, homeowners number two, commercial auto, and then, and then so on around the horn. You can see the, the lines of business. It's interesting. Most states, personal auto is the biggest line of business for independent agents, but not in almost, I'd say about, I shouldn't say, I think it's like 15% don't have personal auto as the number one line of business to independent agents. Um, the crop states, in particular, multi-parallel crop will be their number one line in Kansas, in Iowa, um, South Dakota. Um, other liability occurrence is the number one line of business, I think, in New York. So it's not always personal auto is the most important by the premium dollars to independent agents. And it's good to know that, right? Um, because it might influence um, how you go about going after the market with a personalized division versus commercial and so forth. But you can see the United States version of it. Texas is not far off it. The order on the right-hand chart is actually independent agents across the whole country. So the order changes. The third is other liability occurrence nationally. The third line is other all commercial auto in, in Texas. I think that other than seeing I, some I do have a question on there. I don't know if, if there's something specific as to why it would be such a difference on work comp. On the on the state side versus the national distribution, as far as percentage represented by independent agents, any thoughts on that? I'll bet your agents know more than me. I know a tiny yep. bit. Yeah. That when and I don't even know if it exists any longer, but didn't Texas have an opt out to a liability standard where you wouldn't have necessarily a workers' comp policy for all employers? if they opted out, and I could be wrong, and I should probably stop talking about it because that's pretty old information, but that would be it. Or your workers' compensation benefits and premiums on average are just lower in Texas. Yep. I do yep. see that where, where work comp is more benefit rich, the premiums are higher. Yep. Um, so it could be those two things. Yep, that makes sense. Good, thank you. All right, Matt, we'll keep moving. So I threw this on here only because um, I think homeowners is an interesting one only because of what you've been through and it's a little bit more property driven exposure. So while it's a little bit small, um, those loss ratios, God, interestingly, they're on, they're right on top of the national. The five-year average is 71, or not the national, the five-year average for all is the same as the five-year average for homeowners, 71. But uh, I would have guessed that it would have been higher in homeowners. But interestingly, it's not. Uh, but you see the same W affected by largely the same property type events. And you see that, that um, the homeowner's premiums through independent agents is a smaller percentage than what looks like two-thirds. So it's more like 40% or something like that. Below that, though, you get a sense for what the report has in terms of other details by line of business. Every line of business has its own page, right? So you've got down there below some of the premiums and trends, the number of active insurers, 
that are marketing through independent agents versus captives and, and directs. Um, below that, the top five um, groups in the state are listed. So real quickly, you can you can figure out by looking at the reward, who is the biggest homeowner insurer in Texas? I can't see it. I think it's safe bond. <laughs> um, but it's the group, right? So yeah. it gives me the top five. So it, right. it, it, um, and then below that gives you the top five independent agent focused carriers. Those are the policy issuing companies. Below that, I think it's exclusive and direct. I give you the top three surplus lines carriers. If it's a line of business where there's surplus lines. And the very bottom one doesn't apply to homeowners, which is the top risk retention group. So it's kind of like this basis of information that you can turn to about a line of business to get a perspective on who the players are. The, the middle column is their, their most recent year loss ratio. Um, I think the third column is their growth rate. And then that far right column just gives you the group. Sometimes when you look at an insurance company name, you go, who's that? Yeah. And it's part of travelers or it's part of, you know, somebody big. So I, I give you that because sometimes the names, because of the acquisitions that large insurance companies do, they don't generally change the name. Like if you didn't know Federal was part of Chubb, what would cause you to know that other than knowing that Federal is part of Chubb? See, if Federal was is one of those independent agency carriers in the top five in Texas, it would say Chubb up to the right. Um, but what else can you get from this kind of line of business? You can see 12 billion, so that's a big number. Um, of the 70 is homeowners. Loss ratio was 105% in 2021. Um, biggest group is State Farm. I guess I put that on there. Their average loss ratio is 77. The biggest IA insurers, they're listed. That's just the numbers and the premiums reported uh, by state in Texas, all state travelers. ASI Lloyds, which I think is kind of unique to you guys. I don't know a lot about that carrier, but that's some of the stuff I love about doing this is I find out things that I didn't know. Um, that like ASI Lloyd's, I've, I've heard of them, but I don't know much about it. And Safeco yeah. and American um, Economy, our, our liberty. Um, Good. Well, this is helpful. I mean, obviously we can't read the details on this slide, but I think this gives everyone a good snapshot of the level of detail the report will have when they get access to it, which is, right. I think, great. I think it gives you a good place to understand your own business, how it relates to what's happening with those carriers. Are you outperforming or underperforming the market um, in your own various areas? So I, I think that folks will really appreciate this when they have a chance to dig into it. And then the, the last thing is, is important to me because as Mara knows, the um, Swiss Re Westport um, Insurance Agents Professional Liability Program was part of what I worked on when I was at the National Association. I know that a lot of claims arise from admitted going into surplus lines transactions or surplus lines in general, because it's a little bit of the Wild West, right? You've got unrelated forms. You have to read those policies. They don't automatically renew. Um, well, when surplus lines is a high percentage of a line of business, that, that's just a note for the agent to be more cautious. Um, it turns out that the surplus lines utilization for homeowners in Texas is 1.1% of the premiums, about. Um, the national average is 2.3, which I think is kind of interesting that it, it's um, less than the average. I might have guessed it would have been higher, but the yep. numbers are the numbers. So. Yep, good. Interesting. Great. Matt, you want to, there you go. So this is the um, the top 10 lines of business from that pie chart. 
and then the agent penetration in a five-year time span. So you can see the trend. Um, it actually looks more more trendy when you um, make the chart a little bit taller. Like it is in the, but but uh, the news for independent agents is that, and Mara and I were talking about it, there's lots of disruption happening in the industry, right? Um, money coming in, people are going to do the different, different ways to distribute the business. Independent agents in my career have gone from, you know, overhead to the best way to distribute insurance, back to overhead, back to the best way of distributing insurance. And so it's, it's something that I think everyone is discovering as the insurance marketplace has become more volatile and trickier, is that independent agents generally are knowledgeable distributors of insurance and they can solve problems. And it's kind of glossing over everything, but, but you see the penetrations generally rising in all the lines of business that, that you see on that, that bar chart, particularly the auto and home, right? It's, um, it's growing as a percentage of uh, the overall premiums. Mm -hmm. Good. And then, oh, the final point, Mark, you can see, oh. I made the point that some businesses, uh, Matt, if you could go back one, some penetration rates are really high. Um, if yep. I were to put red mail up here, it's always a surprising one because you think that's really complicated. And, who in their right mind would buy medical malpractice insurance without having an agent involved? But the reality is there's lots of direct distribution. So med mal is not like other liability um, claims made in 93. I mean, med mal is a little bit lower, maybe in the 80s because of the, the risk retention groups and some of the more direct distribution strategies that are out there. Okay, so premium growth rates. Um, so it got cut off on mine just a hair at the bottom. The total of the IA-focused lines in Texas last year was a growth rate of 11%. Um, nationally, it's 10. And um, I would expect that Texas is going to outpace the national in premium growth mm -hmm. in the coming years, right? I think there's there's some COVID things going on that kind of bring everybody down, but but you can see on my, my slide there, you can see the United States, 10% at the very bottom was the growth rate last year, 2020 to 2021. Well, the five-year average was 6% nationally. Texas had the same scenario where the five-year is, is muted compared to what happened last year. Well, I think um, unless things surprise me, premiums are gonna rise faster. And now that we're adding the specter of inflation, Every insurance policy that was sold today, if inflation continues, was underpriced because they weren't expecting eight. What was the last month? Eight, last week, eight percent inflation, whatever it is. Well, that that cars cost eight percent more to repair, probably more than that with supply chain. So I think that the news is, and you can see then all the different lines. Um, what's going up a lot? Um, it's kind of interesting. The private flood has gone up a lot. Um, it's been fun to watch that industry relatively small as people try to figure out with their technological gizmos how to do flood insurance better than the NFIP. And I can tell you that just anecdotally, they didn't have it figured out when they started. And that's why those premiums are growing as much as they are. The, the private flood insurance generally, when I look at these 35 states, without like putting them all in one place to be sure of what I'm saying, it seems like everybody's struggling on private flood loss ratios. But that's, you know, that's what you got to do to get a business started. I don't, 
maybe it was intentional because they need to get need to have spread of risk. Um, what else jumps out? Um, kind well, of obviously the drop out. there with the excess workers comp. Um, that obviously is a pressure point there. Yeah, so you know, it'd be interesting to hear what what agency really focus on work comp and, and do some of the excess. Um, why that might be? I mean, that's what the premiums were that were reported. They're down. Might have been because the employers that take advantage of excess work comp had the largest compression in payroll. Could be just that. Mm-hmm. So, um, great examples though of where the numbers cause you to ask questions, and that's some of the things that I like the most is when it. The numbers cause me to ask a question that causes me to think about something that then arrives at a good idea um, is, is hopefully what happens at least once in Texas this year with somebody looking at the report. It does for me every day. I always look at yep. the numbers and come up with a new idea. So. Good. Great. Um, hold on one sec before we switch. Go back. Um, other liability claims made. That's where directors and officers is. All the all the insurance agents that you write, Mara, insurance yep. agents you know is another liability claims made, as are the chiropractors. Medical malpractice is not in that. Medical malpractice is generally other liability claims made, but they break it out. Um, you can see that was going up 14% to the five-year average 10. But yeah, the the other liability claims made is is going up in total premiums. I think the rates. Are going up. People are afraid of DNO. I think the carriers feel like they haven't seen all the claims. But the standalone cyber that's written on a claims made basis, I think the insurance companies all report in in that other liability claims made line of business. If it's part of the package, they don't. If it's part of a a bot that you have your cyber as an endorsement, that wouldn't be in that that line of business. But again. Um, all the numbers are there, and it's almost overwhelming to look at them all because you can't really focus on anything unless you have that one question about that line of business. It, nice. I'm sure it would be interesting to look at cyber and see what that is, and that's that's broke inside. Did you say claims made, other liability? Claims made most of it. Yeah. The um the NAIC requires the insurance companies to do a special exhibit in their yellow book in their annual report. They've been doing that for six or seven years where it includes all the cyber that the carriers write and what the, the loss ratios are. So if you, if you really want to take a deep dive in cyber, there's better information than what you can glean from the, the biggest group that most of those premiums ends up in with the agents and the chiropractors and the directors and officers. So sometimes the bags are mixed. Um, yep. Matt, you want to keep moving? There we go. There we go. So, so here you've got your um, your one-year and your five-year loss ratios. This is from the, the early part of the report. Does stuff like this where you compare all the lines, and then then each line of business is provided um, as the resource. But but this is interesting to look at the the federal flood and private flood. That that's all Harvey. I'm I'm assuming right driving the five-year because it was. It wasn't. It wasn't terrible last year. Yeah, and somebody also put a comment in. Somebody also put a comment in about Tropical Storm Imelda in Houston in 2019. So that'll have um, some impact here as well, for sure. Well, the the light red 
would not show 19, it would only show 2021. The red, dark red, is the five years, five years. so it's in there. And um, clearly, some big flood losses. Um, and I'm guessing most of that's driven. And we could look, if we had the report, we could pull up that page and look at it and probably see that the the 2017 loss ratio, I mean, if it, that W probably goes <laughs> yep. that. I mean, I'm sure it's way, way, way high to get that 457%. Yep. So, um, yeah, so my surplus lines... Um, focus. One of the things I do in the report that um, I think it's not unique, right? So you can see surplus lines data and some of the state surplus lines, I'll call them agencies, right? Because almost every state has a way to do surplus lines. Texas, you have your own kind of authority. Um, I recall from my days when we used to have to file those taxes. Um, but to look at what's going on with surplus lines and the trend, you can see surplus lines is growing as a percentage of the direct written premiums in Texas. So from my standpoint, I look at that and I go, that's good for agents to know because when someone can no longer get their coverage admitted and they go to non-admitted, that's the time for hold, stop the presses, let's really have that conversation with the customer that you're going from a much more regulated environment where your insurance came from they won't, buy, they won't insure you anymore. We have to go to surplus lines. And um, this, this tells me that that's probably happening um, when you've got that going from 6.5% of the premiums up to 9.8. I mean, being able to give that to people on a state-by-state -state basis, I think, is a nice tool. And it also is a visual aid if you're explaining that to, to a large commercial entity that used to be admitted and now there's surplus lines. that. You know, you're not alone. Um, gives you an opportunity to explain why surplus lines is so important. Because if it didn't exist, you might have nowhere to turn, right? So I mean, it's not like it's a bad thing. It's 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 a different tool. Um, but I think that's a, a a good thing for people to have and be aware of, and know what the large large that pie chart is not the same pie chart of before. This is the premiums in surplus lines in Texas. So. The standalone general liability lawn mowing business ends up surplus lines because they have no experience and they just bought their first lawn mower. They end up in surplus lines, other liability occurrence, standalone GL. Could be umbrellas. You know, all those kind of one-off general liability. Um, other liability claims made. If you can't get it admitted, you have to go um, to the non-admitted market. And unfortunately, that's one area where when it's not admitted, you have a you kind of run into a roadblock if you want to investigate further. There's not as much information that's available on what's happening because it's not admitted and not regulated. You can't turn right. your insurance department. But you see, you see the other lines that are on there. Um, a med mail at 3% is kind of interesting. Probably not the doctor you'd, you'd pick first. If you <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. Maybe they're very good. <laughs> Good. Well, this is, I mean, this is really helpful. And I, I think as we wrap up here, you know, from a standpoint of using your numbers, um, I think this is really insightful. I know that the report's going to have a lot more detail, but at least whets people's appetite for what to go in there and look for. So I'll let you kind of wrap this up and then we'll um, 
talk a, a few more minutes about some other things going on. And I really appreciate you taking the time to do this and providing this insight to us as an association and to our members so we can be smarter about some of the decisions that we're making. Indeed. So I think most of these, these bullets we kind of hit as we went through. Um, the, um, the thing I hope happens is that by looking at the numbers, people get inspired with questions. And it, you can't put everything in a report. I mean, things already almost 50 pages long because you have 26 pages of you know, each one. It, it, it just gets long, right? So you can't get any longer than that. Um, but the idea that you can see what's there and maybe the carrier you're interested isn't there, but now you're aware of the fact that the Texas numbers are available for that carrier. Um, there's, there's a page that's very important to us in that what we call historically old people like me call it the yellow book that insurance companies have to file. That's because it used to be a yellow book. It's, you know, legal size, big thing, and had a yellow cover on the outside. Life insurers are blue, fraternals are brown or something. But anyway, the yellow book has one page in it that's actually almost 60 pages, and that's why we can do this sort of thing. It's called Statutory Page 14, and it, it requires every insurance company to say all 32 lines of business what are your premiums? What are your written premiums, earned premiums, commissions, losses, loss adjustment expense, taxes? So every single insurance company that writes any premiums in Texas has to say what they did in Texas. And that's a lot of where this information comes from. Well, do you know it's there for the biggest company in personal auto? It's also there for the smallest one. So just knowing that, I think it can't get out of the report necessarily, but you know it's there. It's not hard to get. Um, I think that's part of the, what I hope comes out. And then what you find interesting, it's kind of up to you, right? I mean, it's, it's almost like um, music or artwork, right? What one person sees, another person sees very differently. But, but interesting things will, will jump out. I challenge any agent to look at the, the report and not find something interesting that causes them to think further or surprises them. You and I, I'll just close up with that one example. I asked Marit before the call, I said, you know, one of the things that jumped out at me was I would have thought there would have been a high percentage, relatively speaking, of aircraft insured in surplus lines. And the numbers tell me that it's actually very low. It's very low nationally. It's like 1%. And I would have thought, you know, aircraft just by their nature would be something that got written on surplus lines a lot. Numbers tell me that that's not the case. Things like that cause you to ask questions and then look further and maybe it gives you a, an insight into something you didn't have yesterday or an idea for something you can do tomorrow. Great. Well, th thank you, Paul. I really appreciate it. I know we'll dig into it. Um, I've got a bunch of fact finders on my team, so they'll probably be better at it than I will. Um, but I know the agents will appreciate it and we'll continue to publish this information for all of you. And if you have questions, please reach out. We'll be happy to see if we can get answers. Go ahead, Paul. Yeah, we wanted to touch on, and I didn't, that um, Texas is one of the states to signed on not only for this annual summary, but also on a more real-time basis, a quarterly update, because all the insurance companies have to file a quarterly update with their regulator, and so we can get access to that information. So it's more of a premium-focused update, much shorter, not a, when, when it comes out quarterly, and it's due on May 15th, so let's say in June or July, the Q1 numbers come out, you'll know if my prediction that premiums are going to rise faster 
is actually happening. You'll know it in the year, then the yep. second quarter. Great. I forgot to mention it. Yeah, no, good. Thank you. So we'll keep that available to folks and we'll make sure that we publish it and, and communicate with you when those numbers are ready. We're looking forward to the annual report here in the next couple of weeks. And uh, speaking of the next couple of weeks, we do have our um, conference in June. So hopefully if you haven't registered, you will. We'll have obviously a lot of folks there, both from the agent side and the carrier side. Um, lots of, of programming, including if you need that ethics class, <laughs> we'll be there as well. So um, please come and join us and see um, the industry and your friends. We always have a great time. And of course, this year we're celebrating our 125th. So with that, we'll wrap it up. Paul, thank you for your time today and all the work that you're doing for us and for other states and helping us do better, be better. Um, and I hope all of you have a great week. So we'll take it, take it from there. Thank you.